0: The message you're listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2018 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at NewYearsConference.com. Um, the, the first thing we're going to do, really, is I'm going to just draw your attention to my sweet wife who's down here on the floor serving us on the PowerPoint. Please give it up for her. Very nice. We, we had some kind of power, uh, some power struggles with the cords, and so. Um, that's kind of what ended up happening. So how many of you guys liked uh, D.A. Horton's talks this morning? They're helpful to you? Raise your hand. Yeah. Do you, do you like him enough to hear him all over again? You know what I mean? Like if I just kind of read his notes right now, will that be fine with you guys? So, It's really going to be a lot like that in some sense. As we, He really just said so many helpful things, and they're very similar to the things that I'm going to say during this time, but there really is going to be a very unique uh, piece to what we're going to talk about. There's a reality that... Yeah, come on in, man. There, there's a reality that those truths that he talked about are true for everyone in here on kind of a five thousand foot level. But there's another sense in which you're not the same as you, and you have a different story than the person next to you. And there are things that you struggle with and struggle to believe about yourself that are different than the person sitting next to next to you. You have different stories different sins, different things that are happening to you. And there's a reality that at times it's very difficult for us to take these 5,000 foot level truths like justification, adoption, or whatever the case may be, and be like, what does this mean for me in my story? How do I turn what has been messed up and broken into something that's helpful uh, in the gospel for my own life? And so that really is the part of identity that we're going to spend the vast majority of our time talking about Uh, in this seminar. So I I really hope that it's helpful for you. I'm going to spend just a little bit of time talking about my own personal story so that I kind of have something to point at as I explain various concepts. I want you guys, some of the things I'm going to explain are kind of complex to understand. And I want to be able to say, like I said in my story, and you kind of have some hook to hang what I'm going to say on. And so for my life, the context I grew up in, I grew up in a non-Christian home. My dad, he was a nice guy. Um, worked really hard, but generally speaking, he was just kind of gone. Like, he was distant, um, some bad things were going on, and he he just wasn't really there, and his interest in our lives were pretty much as high as our athletic accomplishments. So, like, if we were accomplishing things athletically, he was there and excited about that, and that, that was pretty much it. That was Uh, my father. And then my mother, she was a loving mom. She was there, she did all kinds of stuff for us, but she was a very angry, harsh disciplinarian who chose shame as the means by which to motivate all of her children. You suck, you're so stupid, or whatever the case may be. She, She would say anything that you can imagine to say to another person to motivate them to do whatever it is that she wanted us to do. And so despite the fact that she loved us, it created some of a, somewhat of a chaotic context to grow up in between my mother and my father yelling back and forth and cussing each other, whatever the case may be. And so, but, but here's the thing, it's not my mom's fault or my dad's fault how I got to be who I am today, is that I made choices in my life to be who the person I am today. And the reality is, is in my sin, in my own brokenness, I made decisions as a child I don't even remember making. It's like, I'm going to make my life like this so as to not have to experience shame and guilt and pain and those type things. And so for me, just like for you, you're going to be different than what I'm about to say. I'm speaking about myself. So in that environment, I had three brothers that responded very different than I did. What I responded like is I said, you know, I'm going to be the perfect person. I'm going to be squeaky clean. Everything's going to be just right. And that way, I won't have to experience this harsh discipline, this shame. I won't have to experience any any of those things. If I could just keep all my ducks in a row, make sure all my I's are dotted, all my T's are crossed, I won't have to worry about any of those things. And I was very concerned with that. I remember from a young age, just never wanting to get in trouble, never wanting to do anything bad, never wanting to be found out for things I had done. But the weird thing is, is because I was so messed up and so broken as a sinner, I wasn't a Christian. The reality was, I lived this weird life where, if you would have looked at me in high school, you would have thought, you don't really seem like the kind of guy who's not worried about doing anything bad. I was using all kinds of drugs, hard drugs, and partying, and hooking up with girls, and everything that you wouldn't do if you were really worried about being super squeaky clean. But the reality was, it was there's just a sense in which sin had just darkened my mind. Like I knew I wanted to be clean. I didn't want to experience guilt, but at the same time, I was just back and forth in this kind of polarizing environment. But here's what happened. So then I became a Christian, and the weirdest thing, I, I heard the gospel. I was 17. I, I loved God. I got a new heart, and this war started. And all of a sudden, the weird. I look back now. I see. I see it so clearly. I became the most like militant self-righteous kind of pushy blunt person that you ever met it was the, it's a really weird thing you think like, well how did the gospel do that to you it's like well the gospel did a lot of really good things to me that i'm not going go to go into right now but but my life changed a lot Um, and what ended up happening was I'll give you guys two quick stories just to talk about kind of the person I became yeah for sure I put a bunch of things to death but I remember one time I began to share the gospel just militantly with all these people all the time once I became a Christian and I remember telling one of my buddies one time he just professed to come to Christ we were sitting at his house one day and uh, it was in the afternoon I remember looking at him and being like did you read your Bible today? he's like nah I didn't get to it this morning I was like you ain't doing nothing right now you get upstairs and do that. <laughs> and, I, and I look back and I think, what's wrong with me? You know, what am I doing right now? But there was this sense of you need to do the right thing. You need to be doing these good things. That's what we do as Christians. And you're saying you're a Christian now, so go, go do that. Go make that happen. I remember a time, a couple years later, I was the kind of person, the identity that I'd created for myself was: I don't ever miss devotions, I always meet with God, I always pray, I would never miss that. I'm that kind of person. And I remember uh, this day that just never, it couldn't get anything to go right. I couldn't seem to get to meet with God. And I remember all day long we were traveling on this really long trip, and I was driving. And I remember us getting there at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and all and everyone's asleep. It's in this bunkhouse, and every, everyone's asleep. The lights are all off. And I remember being like, what am I going to do? And I remember like opening up my flip phone. You didn't have smartphones then. And like pointing it at my Bible and just trying to like see a couple verses, so I could read them and be like, I, I did. I met with God today. I read my Bible today. Just that kind of just. I, I have this streak going. I have a, this person that I am, and I can't let this go. I can't fail. I can't lose in these various arenas. And so I love God, but I was also angry and self righteous and all those type of things. But what God did is he was very gracious to me in allowing what I would consider to be some very divine mishaps to come into my life. And so not long after coming to Christ, um, I found myself in this situation with my ex-girlfriend, um, and on multiple occasions we were immoral sexually over and over again. And and I and I didn't really have a, a way to follow that. It was like I'm this new person and I love God and like I put all that stuff off and I quit that but but now I'm now I'm trying to wait. What's wrong with me? Who who am I? And then there were times where, like, I really wanted to share the gospel with people, and I would go and I would share the gospel with these people, and, and ministry was unfruitful, and I felt like I'm failing at this. Like I'm failing at communicating the gospel with people. I'm failing at helping people become Christians. I'm, not, but but like I can't feel like I'm like this Christian now. Like I this God's like, going to save everybody. And eventually, I got married, and uh, we just celebrated ten years. So cool. Um, But a lot of those years, really, we've had a lot of problems and there's been a lot of conflict. And like you get married and you think to yourself, like, this is going to be so awesome and everything's going to be perfect. But there's just this reality. It's like, I'm still really screwed up and I'm married to this other screwed up person. And we're getting in these conflicts. And I would have never imagined that in this Christian marriage, I would be yelling or saying things that are very mean to my wife. But then it's like, oh my, and then you step away, and you're like, what is wrong with me? Who am I, right? Like, why am I saying the things I'm saying? Why am I angry about these things? I'm a failure as a husband. And when these things happen, just like what Diego Horton said this morning, we have like this identity crisis. A lot of you guys probably aren't like me. You're different than this, and you don't experience life just this exact same way. But for me, failure is the thing that I want to avoid like the plague. I never want to fail. And so now that I've failed, now that I have been sexually immoral, and I am yelling at my wife, now I am failing evangelistically, who am I? Am I a failure? Is that who I am? And the reality is is that what do you do when those type things happen when you don't live up to be this thing you're pretending to be? This is what you typically do. This is the first blank on your outline. The flesh responds to life by hiding and blaming. And so when we do things that we are ashamed of, our knee-jerk reaction is to hide them from other people and from God and to blame other people. It's my mom's fault I'm like this. It's my dad's fault I'm like this. It's these people's fault. It's my wife. If she didn't say that, I wouldn't have gotten so angry. Or whatever the case may be, we hide and we blame. This is how we function. Every single person in this room from Genesis 3 on, when God comes to Adam, it's that woman you gave me. It's not me. It's that woman you gave me. This is the deal. We hide and we blame. So some of you guys... You're like me. You're like, man, I, that's me too. Like, I'm the guy who's got it all together. All my ducks are in a row. Everything's perfect. That's me. Like, that's who I am. I don't really have a bunch of problems. I'm, I'm good. Or for some of you guys, it's I'm the best. That's who you are. Like, I succeed at things. Everything I put my hand to turns to gold. I just, it doesn't matter if it's checkers or football. I'm the best. I try to beat people. I compete with everyone to make sure everyone knows I'm awesome at stuff. Or maybe maybe you're the person, it's not success for you. It's not about that so much. It's, I'm the person everybody can get along with. I'm super peaceful. I don't have any opinions of my own. I can always go with you. I'm so easy to get along with. And you believe deep down, like if I were to have an opinion or say what I thought, everything would just explode. So it's better if I just kind of keep all my thoughts and opinions to myself. Some of you guys, are the more like strong, controlling, like I'm in control, I don't depend on other people, I'm pushing. You know, I never let anyone get the upper hand kind of a person. You're always watching your back because you really don't know who you can trust and you assume it's probably nobody. And so I probably need to run my life in such a way to never depend on another person because, you know, Can't trust people. There's a lot of people in here that are probably like that. You go to bed every night and you think to yourself, not explicitly, but really your life goes like this. Was I treated fairly today? You ask yourself that question, like, is there anybody that I'm not even with? And that's the way your life works. Or some of you guys are constantly anxious. You're plagued with thoughts like, I'm not safe. Like anything can fall apart at any moment. And your whole life is about attaching yourself to strong and decisive people who can protect you if things go bad or make decisions for you if the decision's too hard and things could fall apart. That's the way that you've built your life. And so everybody in this room, you have your own story, your own set of events, whether there are a few massive events like being raped or molested or something like that, or a million thematic small events that taught you this is the way life is. This is what I have to do to survive. And so, But here's the key, and this is very, very important that you hear me say this, and this is your next blank. It is not only your story, but your sinful response that forms what we're going to call your pseudo-identity or your false identity is that you're not the way you are because of where you grew up. You're not who you are because of your mom or your dad or your brothers or the absence thereof. You are who you are because of your response to those things. No matter how perfect or screwed up they were, Adam and Eve fell in paradise. Things were perfect where they were at and they messed it all up. You could have the most awesome family ever. And respond to that sinfully and create some crazy identity for yourself that's no good. The next blank. Your pseudo-identity is a strategy the flesh uses to cover your shame. It's it's a mask of sorts. And everybody has one. Everybody has a pseudo-identity. Everyone has a mask that they put on. To keep other people from seeing who they really are, every single person in here. And for some of you guys, you'll leave and be like, I know exactly what that guy's talking about. And for others of you, 10 years from now, for the very first time, you'll begin to realize, oh my gosh, that thing that guy said, I built my life around something. I did I thought this was just who I was. But now I realize this is just this fake life I've built for myself. I wasn't even aware of it at 18, 19, 20 years old. I know I was certainly unaware of it myself. And so from a young age, many people in this room, including myself, have been trying to prove to everyone around them that they're not weak. Or you're, I'm not insignificant. Or I'm not a victim. Or I'm not stupid. Or I'm not being controlled by you. Or whatever the case may be, I'm not mediocre like you I'm doing a bunch of things to help everyone understand that's not who I am. I'm a big deal. I don't fail. I'm perfect. I'm successful. I'm peaceful. I'm whatever it is. And you you can tailor it to yourself and figure out what, what do I try to present myself as in my life. And so this is where things could get slightly confusing. I need you to follow me. Every one of you guys have unique stories, unique catastrophic events that happened, or like I said, a thousand little events. And if you could zoom out, and look at that one event or those thousand events and say, what? what's kind of the message here? Like, what's really, when you hear this, kind of what's the moral of the story? There would be like this message that kind of comes out of that. And I'll give you an example from my own story. So, here's, first, write this down. For each person, there is a message that they receive from their family or defining events in their lives. And so, just, just so you can have an example, for me, it was this message. If you're going to be loved, you need to be the right kind of person. And you're not. You're bad. That's why I'm shaming you. That's why I'm yelling at you. And so for me, my response was, put on the mask if I'm perfect. No, I'm not bad. Got all my t's crossed. Got all my eyes dotted. All my ducks are in a row. I do these things. I do everything right. That's who I am so that I don't have to experience the pain and the guilt of being a bad person. I put on the mask of perfection. Some of you guys, it's like this. The message that you got from your environment was, is you are what you do. You're not doing much. You are what you excel in. You don't really excel at that much stuff. And so what ended up happening was, is you said, no, I am going to excel I'm going to be awesome at football or I'm going to be awesome at cheerleading or I'm going to be awesome in school or I'm going to run for whatever whatever. You became this success hungry person always trying to add to your resume. I'm going to be this per- I'm going to be so successful because everything in my life is hanging on this. Or maybe you're the kind of person who experienced some major betrayals growing up and you kind of learned, you said, you know, you can't trust people. That's the message. And so you've built a whole life around never getting that close to anybody, never letting anyone know just too much about you because you don't really know what they're going to do with that information. You have to control every situation. You hate taking orders. You expect the worst out of every single person. And so you put on the mass of strength. I'm independent. I don't need anybody. And that's who you've become. For other people maybe you heard the message you're a burden maybe you grew up in a in a family that you were born out of wedlock or there were financial struggles and you were just another mouth to feed and the, the kind of the message you got all growing up was kind of like man you're just a burden like you're just someone else we've kind of got to keep alive and so what you did was you said man I can't be that and so I'm gonna put on the mask if I have no needs and I'm super helpful I'll do all kinds of stuff I'll serve you like crazy I'll do anything you want me to do I, you want me here, right? Like I'm I'm helpful around here, right? Like isn't isn't it nice to have me around? And so you you, you, you put on that mask. This is on your outline. Each person was create has created their pseudo identity to avoid the pain of being weak, dependent, or guilty or shameful. We've all built these identities and we live our lives in such a way because we don't want to experience pain. We don't want to experience suffering. We don't want to experience guilt or shame or betrayal. And so it's easier to live our lives this way so that we don't have to experience any of these things. We've just built a life for ourselves. And for most of you in here, this is probably going to blow your mind, but you believe, no, this is just who I am. And the quicker you believe me that it's not, no, it's really not who you are. It's who you've made yourself to be so as to not have to experience suffering and pain and weakness or betrayal or a million other things that you can figure out. You really aren't who you think you are in so many ways. But the, but the problem is with pseudo-identities is they don't work. They really don't work. Over time, they fail. Why? Because if I put on the perfect the mask of I'm perfect, how long can I keep that up before I fail? and have to come to terms with the fact that I'm not perfect. How long can you put on the mask of I'm successful before you aren't successful or something, or you get second place or third place, and you're exposed as you're not the best at this? You didn't win first prize. Now who are you? Because you're not the best. What do you do when that happens? Or whatever the case may be where you're trying to be super peaceful. And all of a sudden, everything blows up about something you say. It's like, no, I'm I'm not the person everybody can get along with. How am I having relational problems? I can't have relational problems. Everyone can get along with me. That's who I am. The reality is, is you're broken, and the world's broken. And whatever mask you put on to try to protect yourself from the brokenness of the world will eventually fall apart. It will fail you. These pseudo-identities do not work. And so, not only that, but our pseudo-identities enslave us And keep us from experiencing true freedom in Christ. That's your next blank. Think about this for a second. If the only reason you're as driven as you are is because you're so scared of the shame that you would feel if you failed, then you are a slave. You can't fail. You're not free to fail. You can't look at it and laugh and say, yeah, that's what happened because I have to succeed. I must be a certain kind of person. If the only reason you're as independent as you are is that you don't want to depend on other people because you're so scared that they're going to turn their back on you and betray you, then you're a slave in a very interdependent reality where you have to rely on other people. There's no way for you to get married. There's no way for you to have a family that is anything close to functional and be so independent. Or maybe it's the only, if the only reason you're so peaceful, you're such a great friend to everybody, is because you're scared that if you actually got involved and gave your opinion about something, you just make matters worse, then you're a slave. You're really not a peaceable person. You're just a person who keeps the peace because you're scared of what would happen if you said something contrary to someone else in the room. That's really not being peaceful. That's putting on a pseudo-identity that you're hoping is going to save you from conflict. But here's the worst thing about all this, is we can't really love other people well if our life is ultimately about protecting ourselves from shame and guilt and pain. We, we just, how are you going to love other people? Like, let's say I'm the person that gets along with everybody. How am I really going to love you if I can't say something hard to you? Because I have to keep the peace. I can't love you. How am I really going to be a, a how am I really going to enjoy God's word when the only reason I'm really meeting with God is so I can keep my streak up? How is that really going to work out? we we not we're not the call of the christian life is to love other people but but i can't love you if all i'm really doing is protecting myself some of you in here you're servants like you just love to serve like i just i, I just, i'll do anything for anybody and some of that's awesome praise god i'm sure the spirit's at work and you do a lot of those things for those reasons but for some of you or for part of you These people that are servants, the reality is, is that you so badly don't want to be a burden. You just want to, I want you to say you're helpful. I really want you around. How can you really be serving other people if the hope is I just want to present myself as a person that you would like to have around? I don't want to hear the title, you're a burden. And so I fight super hard to make myself the kind of person that people want to be. That's not loving other people. That's just protecting ourselves from guilt and pain. And shame. And here, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, everything I'm going to say at this point, um, it, it, farther than this, is pointless to you. There's a reality here that if you're a Christian, you have an enemy. And he hates your guts. He, 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 he's the father of lies. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He he wants to, he, Ephesians 6 says he shoots flaming darts at you. And you're you're supposed to extinguish them with a shield of faith, but the reality is is most people don't think about that reality. You don't think about the fact that all the time, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, there's a person who hates you who hates your guts, hates your father, hates everything about you, who is always shooting darts, telling you things about yourself that are not true, that your call as a Christian is to fight against those things. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against blah, blah, blah in Ephesians 6. There's a reality that you have to do business with some of those things. There is a spiritual war going on. And Satan, this is your next blank, Satan often attacks Christians by reminding them of the message that they heard growing up. I want you to think about this for a second. Imagine you're a Christian, and you're trying to walk with God, and the reality is is that as you're doing that, you're always getting the, you're a burden. You're a burden on everyone around you. No one really wants you around. Or you're a failure. All those people, they think you suck at this. They think you're not any good at this. You're not really pulling your weight. Everyone's like, man, I wish Billy would do something. He's just lazy. Or, man, that guy, he's never gonna amount to anything. Or, man, you just you're just mediocre. Like you're not as good as most people at this type of thing. You're just always getting stuff like that. It could be one of a million things, whatever you can you can think about. It. I'm gonna give you guys a workshop later that I think will help you guys. Um, with some of this stuff, but you're always getting that. Why would Satan always be wanting to fill your mind with things like that so that you would do what you've always done? So that you would say, no, I am good. I, I'm not a burden. Like I'm going to serve people like crazy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch my back. I, people aren't going to get the best of me. I'm going to go back to just being this autonomous person. I don't go to God. I don't depend on Christ. I don't receive my identity in Christ. I just say, I can do this. I've been doing this for 18 years. I can put a face on. I can hide my sin. I can blame other people. Satan wants you to function in the flesh. He, doesn't, he wants you to serve other people. He wants you to read the Bible, to share the Gospel, to do all these things so that you can protect yourself or prove something to other people around you. But he doesn't want you to be free. He doesn't want you to know who you really are so that you can actually love God and love other people. And so you have to be cognizant of the reality that these messages are coming. And so what what do you do, right? So if you believe me that you have a story, you have events in your life that there was a message that you got and you said, man... I'm going to gonna form a pseudo-identity. This isn't going to be true about me. I'm going to be this kind of person. If you believe me, then what do you do now? Like, what do you do with this information? How do you overcome this reality in your life? Well, the first thing everybody in here has got to do is you've got to attempt to discern your story. Okay? There's a reality, I can't do this, there's no way to give this talk in 30 minutes for every single person in the room, there's a reality that you've just got to take time to figure out one of the events, sorry, go to the next, one more, right there, nope, never mind, go back, I messed this up. The next blank is, we attempt to discern our story, whether that's up there or not, so, and so what happens is, is you try to discern your story. You try to figure out what are the, who am I trying to present myself to be and why am I trying to present myself to be those things? Why am I trying to act like this is who I am when this isn't really who I am? And so you go back and you look at your story and how you simply created this pseudo-identity for yourself. What are the messages, what are the lies that Satan would want you to believe about yourself? And then you have to begin to sort out lies from truth. And this is actually extremely difficult and takes a whole lot of practice because if you're a Christian here, the reality is this, is you have two things that are true of you. Is you have Satan who hates you, who's always shooting fiery darts at you, lies about you all the time. And you have the Holy Spirit who's convicting you concerning sin. And there's a reality that you're having to parse out what is which. Is this true of me or is this not? Would, would God be confirming this about me or would Satan be saying this about me? Because here's the reality, is that sometimes things are true. Like if I felt guilty when I was 18 years old and falling into sexual immorality, I should have felt guilty. That was bad. That just means I have a functioning conscience. That just means that I have the Holy Spirit convicting me concerning sin and righteousness. Like, that's a good thing. When I get angry and yell at my wife, should I feel bad about it? I should feel bad about it. That's a good thing. So it's why I begin to feel guilt. It's like, praise God I feel guilt. I should feel guilty. I've got to parse out what is true here. Where do I need to repent I've got to figure out what's true. And so if the message is you're guilty, sometimes you are guilty. It is true. You should repent. It's a good thing for you. And so here's the next blank. If the message is true of us, then we need to respond to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. Embrace and embrace the sorrow, right? Like for you, it's like, Maybe you're not as awesome as you think, or maybe you're not as helpful as you think, or as peaceable as you think, or as unique as you hoped you would be. Maybe someone didn't notice just how great you were and it's really bothering you, or whatever the case may be, there's a sadness about our own brokenness. Like You should be able to mourn your own failures, your own mediocrity is that we're just not as important as we wish we were, and we just should be able to say, that's sad. It's sad, and some of your stories are so screwed up, like it's sad that my mom functioned like that. That's sad. It's sad that my dad functioned like that. There's just a sorrow that you have to embrace and say, this just wasn't ever supposed to be this way. But Christ comes in and He, he can fix all these things. So, and then I have to repent. If, if this is true of me, if I've really done something sinful, I've got to repent. That's just your, that's just the same blank. No, 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 no. sorry. Uh, just, I, I need to repent. And then I need to believe the gospel. And so what happens is, is the, the last thing is, is I, once I repent, for me, and again, this is for me, and some of you in here are like me, in that your story is the same, you try to be the same things I try to be. Once I've repented, the things I need to hear are very simple. I need to hear Romans 8.1 tell me that I'm in Christ and there's no condemnation for me anymore. I need to hear 1 John 2 tell me that if anyone has sin, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He's the propitiation for my sins. Like it's just helpful for me to hear that. I need to hear Romans 5.8 tell me that God showed His love for me and that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me so that I can... okay. I was a failure and still Christ died for me. I need to hear Romans 4 tell me that God justifies the ungodly. That He takes guilty sinners and He justifies them. He looks at them and says, you are righteous, you are loved, not because of anything you've done. Despite all your weakness, despite all your failure, I love you you are righteous in my sight. And so what does this do? So the, la- the next point there is, then I need to embrace my true identity in Christ instead of my pseudo-identity. There's a reality that I'm, I'm justified. I'm not guilty, even though I was sexually immoral, even though I was angry and yelled, even though I did all these different things, even though I'm doing them. Like, God is not angry with me. There is no, there is no condemnation for me. I don't have to hide anything. I don't have to blame anybody else. I don't have to go back in the courtroom and explain myself. I get up on the stand. I'm like, listen, let me explain why I did that. And no one's in there. Court's adjourned. It's already over and done with. God has already declared me not guilty. And to put back on my pseudo-identity and be like, no, I'm going to show everybody I am perfect. I am good. I am right. That's foolishness. You're free. Court is adjourned. But what if the message is a lie? What if, and this is where things begin to get really complex. What if you have this nagging that's on there? What if what if the message is a lie is your next blank? So what if you have this nagging kind of in the back of your mind? You need to watch your back. That person's gonna take advantage of you. Or you know, you're just not working hard enough. You're lazy. Or, no, no one wants you around. Everyone wishes you weren't here. Or Everything could fall apart any second. Don't get too comfortable here. This is all going to fall apart. Someone's going to ruin this for everybody. You're you're helpless or any number of other lies that are kind of coming into your mind. What do you do with those? Like, how do you make sense of those type things? And the first thing I would say is, is it's hard to tell if it's true or not. It's hard to know what's true and what's false. There's a reality, okay, there, there's a step people skip when they begin to think about their identity and, and discerning lies from truth. Imagine for a second you're the person that you're here, you and the message is like, I just feel like no one wants me around. That's what I feel like. I feel like people just wish I wasn't here. People deal with this kind of thing all the time. The truth is, is maybe people don't want you around. And that's that's sad. That's 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 reality though. That's a sad thing. That there are people possibly that they don't they don't want you around. Maybe because of things that you do, maybe you're really selfish. Maybe you talk about yourself all the time. Maybe you brag about yourself all the time. Maybe you never ask anybody any questions and people just kind of wish, man, like, I just don't really enjoy being around this person. You have the resources in Christ to embrace the sorrow of maybe people don't like me. That's a reality. But what most people do is they just quick to be like, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to tell people more things about myself that are going to make me like me. You're just going to put on this pseudo-identity, and I'm going to try to earn it. And that never works either. And so what would you do if you were a Christian and that came into your world? What would you do? What I would do is, if you're not sure if it's a lie... Embrace the sorrow that there could be some truth in it. That's your next blank. There could be some truth in this. I don't really know where, where lies end and truth starts. Maybe I am selfish. Maybe I am annoying. Who really knows? Then embrace the gospel of your true identity in Christ. Think about it like this. Let's say Janelle. She's pretty annoying. Um, let's say she's her for an example. Janelle, Janelle's like the opposite of annoying. Um, but for Janelle, let's say she's the most annoying person in the world. She doesn't even know it. She doesn't understand just how annoying she is. No one wants her around. There's some things that are true about her in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3-6 says God chose Janelle before the foundation of the world. She didn't get chosen for like some fifth grade dodgeball team. The God of the universe chose her before the foundation of the world to be her, His child. 1 Corinthians 12 says, Janelle has spiritual gifts that God has given her through the Spirit such that if she is absent from the body of Christ, the body of Christ can't function as well without her present. There's, a, there's one another's all over the New Testament about things that we do to one another in the church. And if Janelle isn't present doing that, she is abdicating her responsibility. There are people that will not be warned Rebuked, encouraged, served, etc., if Janelle is not present. 1 Corinthians 7 is clear that every person, including Janelle, has a unique placement in this world with a unique calling on their life with certain gifts, certain placements. What Janelle could never do is say, I guess people don't want me around, I'm just going to roll. She can't do that because of everything that is true of her in Christ. And so what does she have the resources to do that almost nobody can do? Is if all those things are true of me and I feel like people don't want me around, I've got to get the facts straight because I've got to be around. I've got to roll around here. I've got gifts. I've got a spirit. I'm a part of this. I'm a functioning member of the body of Christ. And so what does Janelle do? She goes and does this. She goes to people. And she says, hey, I'm not the perfect kind of person. I know that. I've embraced that sorrow. But a lot of times I feel like that people don't want me around, that they just wish I wasn't here, that I'm a burden on people. And I'm wondering if you can see anything in my life like that. Do you ever think, man, I wish Janelle didn't do that, or that really bothers me? And either one of two things happen as Janelle goes to these people and asks this question. Either people look at her and say, yeah, thanks a ton for asking. There is something you do that really bothers me and I think it bothers a lot of other people and they tell you the truth and you're humble enough to receive it and God meets you in that as His son or daughter and you grow through that experience. That would be amazing instead of just not knowing what you're doing. And you have the resources to go do that because you're you're a child of God. He's committed to you. He loves you. He turns all these things for your good. Or, and this is what often happens when things are lies A bunch of people look at you and say, I have no idea what you're talking about. We love having you around. I really enjoy you. I don't think anyone's thinking you're a burden. I always think to invite you, like, no, you're not getting pity invites from me. Like, I, I love to be around you. And then you believe those people. And you go back and you do warfare. The next time you're like, man, I just feel like everyone doesn't want me around. You just say no. That's a lie. I'm not going to live my life. I'm not going to put on some pseudo identity and go become a person people would want around so that people will want me around. I'm not going to go do that. I'm just going to renounce lies. That's a lie, Father. It's a lie that I'm a burden to the people around me. Father, it's a lie. That You're not satisfied with my effort. I'm being as diligent as I can be. Father, it's just not true that I have to be grossly successful in every area of my life to receive Your love. That's a lie. I'm not going to go out and fight for that. Father, it's a lie that I'm vulnerable in an unstable world. That's just not true. You're my Father and You watch over me. Father, it's a lie. That everyone here is out to get me. That I've got to watch my back all the time. That is not true. And I'm not going to put this mask back on. I'm not going to live like that's true. Which is the next point. You must repent of using your pseudo-identity. If you are ever really going to apply the things that D.A. Horton talked about this morning, you have to first take off your false identity if you're going to put on your real one. You have to know what you're putting on so you can take it off. And before God, you have to repent of that. God, I I repent of hiding my sin so I don't have to feel shame and guilt. God, I repent of reading my Bible so that I can have a streak. God, I repent of pretending that I don't have any needs or problems so that no one feels like I'm a burden on them. When I meet with so-and-so this week and they ask me how they're doing, I'm, gonna, I'm doing, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna say, this is how I'm doing. Like I've got these problems, I have like, these things I'm working through. And I'm, I'm fearful that I'm gonna be a burden on you if I share who I really am with you. Father, I repent of entrusting, of not entrusting myself to other people and friendships. And accountability because I'm so fearful that they're going to betray me. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make myself vulnerable. I'm going to share deep things about myself with other people. And I'm not going to live like everyone is out to get me. I'm not going to do any of those things because of all these things that are true of me in Christ. These are three truths that you have to know if you're going to do battle. D.A. Horton talked about all of them this morning. One, I'm justified. I'm pardoned of all my sin. This is what being justified means. And accepted as righteous in God's sight, but only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to me and received by faith alone. I am adopted. I'm a son of God the Father who chose me in love to be adopted into His family through Jesus. And I cry out for intimacy with Him through the Holy Spirit saying, Abba, Father. I am sanctified. I am a saint, a holy one, a consecrated man for holiness of life and calling. I am anointed with the Holy Spirit and gifted with spiritual gifts of love and power and effective service in all life and every relationship. Those three truths, and those verses that I've given you is like a starter kit. To, and you have to figure it out. You have to do the work. Like If you came to this, this seminar for like the Fix My Identity talk, you obviously didn't get it. What you got is a map. And what you need to do is take the map and go down the road and figure out a bunch of things about yourself. And, and then figure out who am I? What is my pseudo-identity? What truths do I need to apply to my particular situation so as to free me in Christ? So here's the thing. This is what this is very practical, what I'm going to give you to do. I'm going to hand out a workshop in a second. On one side of it, there's going to be a grid. It's a starter kit. It will help you begin to think, what, how am I presenting myself? What is my pseudo-identity? And it will give you some ideas about what it could be, what are some potential examples of that. The second thing you're going to do is on the other side of the workshop, There's a bunch of questions, and if you will spend time trying to answer those questions, sharing your story with other people that you respect, people who are, uh, you feel like, man, I feel safe explaining this to you, and you can give me feedback, you will get thoughts on your life, and you begin to understand why it is that you function the way you do. I would fill that out. But the last thing I would do, if you don't do anything else I say, every person, every day when I wake up, maybe not every day, I'm not perfect, a lot of days. I wake up, and I set my alarm, I set my timer for five minutes or ten minutes, and I just sit there. And I just, I'm just, i just letting thoughts come into my mind, I'm just trying to figure out, like, is there any darts, right? Fiery darts from Satan that are in me right now that I need to pull out and say, that's not true. I just, put your phone away and just sit. I begin to think thoughts, like, this person, they're disappointed in me. Like, they think I'm doing something, they think I'm doing this. They think I shouldn't have said that, and I sat there, and these, the thoughts will just come. If you sit in silence, almost no one ever does this. You don't ever want to sit in silence, but it's good. You sit there, and all these thoughts will just start coming. Anxieties, things you're scared of, things you don't want to be true, things you're worried about happening that day, why you're worried about it, what you think could happen. And you have to sit there and parse out, that is not true. I don't know that that's what's going to happen. That is true. I was rude. And I sense from that person that they were disrespected by what I said. And that's true about me. I need to repent. I need to go to that person and ask them to forgive me. I need to apologize. That's true. I've got to go. To, and I sit there and I parse that stuff out. And, I, and, and then I take the things that are true about me and I renounce lies. And I repent. And I just say, this is, this is not true anymore. I'm justified. I'm righteous. I'm going to go and I'm going to confess these things. And the things that aren't true. Just say, man, this is not true. I'm not going to live in lot of this today. I'm not going to put on my mask. I'm not going to explain myself a million times today to a thousand different people so that they know that I have some rationale for why I did this. I don't have to do any of that. I'm not going to the courtroom today. I'm not going to put back on a pseudo-identity. I'm not doing any of that. You have to take time every single day in silence to do spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6 stuff, believe the gospel, putting on your identity in Christ. And I would highly suggest, if you're, if you're, if you're listening to this, you're listening to think, I'm really interested... There's a book called Embracing Your Identity with Christ by Bob Smart. He's the pastor of our church that is amazing. And I would really recommend it. Every, almost everything I've said is taken from him through our interactions or this book. He is extremely, extremely, extremely helpful counselor. And so, anyways, I'm going to hand these out to you guys as you guys leave. And I think if you're going to the gender seminar, then you probably need to go. Um, but if not, feel free to sit here do whatever you need to do. So, thanks a ton for coming. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Conference.com.